a lot of people get stuck listening to the same music they listened to when they were 20. It's like me. There's no way I'd be listening to some of that stuff if it wasn't that I just liked it when I was young. Grr. Younger. But there's a lot of music out there. And it's kind of hard to branch out from your current taste because why bother when you already have the stuff that you like? Personally, I live under a rock and don't know anything about most music that's out there. So I don't even know what to start listening to. But what I like doing, the way that I have found to get interested in listening to something new is to do a bit of research about an album before I even listen to it. You're always hearing about these bands that maybe they're legendary or something, but I don't even know what that band sounds like. So you can take one of those thoughts and then start reading the Wikipedia article about it. So for example, um, I've just been listening to this random Dylan album a lot lately. And that was because I read a bit of the Wikipedia about it. For example, it's this album, Infidels. It's not a very famous Dylan album. A friend of mine who said she went through a big Bob Dylan phase said she wasn't even sure if she'd heard of this album. What was it? Infidels? It's Dylan, so it can't be that bad. I think when he made this album, he was 40, 42. Well, he was 42 when the album came out, looks like. And he was in the scene young. So by that age, he'd probably been kicking around the music, the world stage for 20, 23 years already by the time this album came out. And he also had this Christian phase and he did two or three Christian albums. And then he came out of this Christian phase and this album, Infidels, was the first one where he kind of returned to the scene. Now, at this point, I kind of want to know what he's going to sing about after he comes out of his Christian phase. Is he going to be anti-religion now, or is it going to be just kind of a, a softer take on the whole thing? Also, I want to know whether people were annoyed that he went Christian. And so I want to imagine then what it would be like for the almost disillusioned fan with an allergy to Jesus that's going to give this new album a spin to give Mr. Zimmerman one more chance. So Dylan was hoping to produce this album himself, which I, I don't know how rare that was, but it sounds like he hadn't done that before. Uh, but he figured maybe he had fallen behind in an understanding of the modern recording studios. This was released in 83. So, and recorded a bit before that, which means that during, it was during the time when recording was, I'm guessing still mostly done with magnetic tape, or it's just in that transition. A lot of albums would have been done with digital at this point. And that's probably what he was thinking of. So yeah. And this one was recorded digital. It looks like, so this is interesting because he wasn't sure how comfortable he was in a modern recording studio. He wanted to ask a few people if they could co-produce it or produce it for him. And he asked 
Frank Zappa <laughs> if he would produce it for him. That would have been great. Bob Dylan also asked David Bowie if he would produce it for him. That also would have been, that's also a fascinating alternate reality. He ended up hiring Mark Knopfler, the guy from Dire Straits, which which seems like kind of a dull pick compared to those other guys because Mark Knopfler is not as, as crazy, but he's still one of my favorite songwriters and always seems to be on the in these top, top whatever guitar players lists. Okay, so apparently a few critics said that the album revealed a strange dislike for space travel. (laughs) A few critics said this. That's a little hard to believe. Unless they were parroting the first guy. Strange dislike for space travel. Mark Knopfler had to leave to go on tour before the mixing was done. And so after Mark left, Bob took the reins, hired some engineer to do the final mix, which Mark Knopfler apparently thought sounded just like a kind of a demo mix, a rough mix in some, in some spots. And also after Mark left, Bob cut a song called Blind Willie McTell that eventually would become some people's favorite Dylan song once that was sort of discovered as an outtake from this album. But yeah, it was cut. Mark Knopfler talks a bit here in the article about working with Dylan. He said, as a writer of lyrics, as a poet, Bob is an absolute genius. As a singer, absolute genius. Funny, I'm not sure if I've ever thought of Dylan as a genius singer. I remember when I was a kid, my mom always would wonder, why, why doesn't he sing in tune? But yeah, obviously there's something to, to that, that he's, he's a special singer. Regardless, looks like people thought Infidel sucked <laughs> when it came out. I'll just read. I'll just read her off the page here. While Infidels was better received than its predecessor, which I assume is a Christian album, this critic still referred to Dylan as culturally a spent force, a confused man trying to rekindle old fires. Oh, man. (laughs) A Rolling Stone and the Village Voice critic was not impressed either, writing that Dylan had 
turned into a hateful crackpot. Griel Marcus, this other critic, I would assume, dismissed it many years later as another, quote, bad album that made no sense, didn't hang together, had no point, and did not need to exist. But then, once people heard this song that was cut, Blind Willie McTell, which was just this outtake that made it into circulation, bootlegged, I guess. Once people heard that, apparently some people started thinking of infidels as possibly a a missed opportunity at a potential masterpiece. Okay, so now I want to hear this garbage album. Dylan's a genius singer, or you're like my mom, and you think, yeah, well, yeah why don't you just sing in tune? That'd be better. Good luck out there. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with another one tomorrow. You don't show.